Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. Are you willing and able to stand firm in your faith in the midst of our ever-increasing pagan culture? Our culture, I don't know if you've uh, read the papers or watched TV much or if you just live in a cave, but our culture is getting more and more pagan and less and less founded on the Word of God. How willing are you to take that stand, even as Cornelius, a Roman centurion, taking that stand as a God-fearer? How, again, willing are you to stand in your faith? The world is straying from God's Word more and more. The morals that He established as necessary truth are being trampled upon each day. As such, the question becomes, will you faithfully continue to abide by His Word, or will you too forget Jesus and what He stood for? Today, Pastor David warns you of the times ahead. He shares with you that the world will continue to turn its back on God, and that as it does, it'll become more crucial that you don't. Commit Jesus and His Word to your heart. And here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he continues his message, a long expected answer. So we see this man who, again, trusted Jesus to be the one who could heal his servant. And so we see that that work there in a very positive light as a centurion. Pretty much the same kind of a light as we see for Cornelius as we get into chapter 10. A devout man, a giving man, a man with a generous heart, not a proselyte to Judaism. He had not become a Jew, uh, but he was a man who loved the God of the Jews and worked favorably with the Jewish people. And then one last thing, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as we read uh, of what appears to be actually a possible conversion of a centurion at the crucifixion of Jesus. Remember, as Jesus died, the centurion that was in charge of the crucifixion, he was the one who said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, we don't know for sure, only God knows, but that is a powerful declaration for anyone to make. And could that have actually been the point where that centurion came to a faith in who Jesus was? Well, we'll know when we get there, right? So with all of that overload of information rattling around in your brains, let's move on into chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, Luke writes for us, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. We find out that Cornelius lives in Caesarea. 
Caesarea by the sea, Caesarea Maritima, Caesarea Philistina. It goes by all of these names. A, uh, a large, very powerful city during that first century. It was a city that was built on a lesser city by uh, Herod the Great back 22 to 10 BC. A very powerful city because it itself had become the, the, the political power, uh, commercial power. It had a port there, all of these things. Because it was a major city, a major Roman city, there was a good uh, large deployment of Roman soldiers there at that time. Uh, one of those Roman soldiers that was there during that time was our man Cornelius, a centurion of what's called the Italian Regiment. Now, Cornelius's position as a centurion, uh, it was a position of power, it was a position of status and authority. A centurion was directly responsible for about a hundred different so or a hundred soldiers under his direct command. But we also find that Cornelius was a part of what it says here, the Italian regiment. Your version might say the Italian cohort or the Italian band. It was a, a, a regiment or a cohort uh, is a group of about uh, 400 to 600 soldiers. Uh, the particular group here being soldiers that directly is connected to uh, Rome or at least Italy itself, the Italian regiment. And that differs from other regiments that were in Judea during that time. During that time, uh, there were other regiments. Some of them were Syrian soldiers as well as other uh, country and makeups of the soldiers. Some of them were regiments of, of fugitives or, or slaves from a variety of different regions that Rome had gone in and conquered, and then these men became a part of the Roman uh, army. Actually, you need to understand that there, uh, uh, there are many times that the Romans acted extremely fair with the people that, uh, again, they, they conquered and they took as captives. They would actually give them the choice. They could either join the Roman army and fight against their neighbors, or they could be killed. So they were, they were very fair in how they dealt with people that way. Uh, and it was a very persuasive enlistment plan also. Uh, some have said that the Italian regiment was actually a group of freed slaves actually from Rome. They were serving as soldiers in the Roman army until they retired, and upon retirement, then they would be given full Roman citizenship. But by serving as a centurion, we know that Cornelius, he already had Roman citizenship. Now, beyond being a Roman citizen, a soldier, and a centurion, uh, Cornelius is also described by Luke here as a devout man, one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. You got to understand, that would have been a very unique situation for a Roman soldier. Roman soldiers, known for their grit, for their strength, for their tenacity in battle, as well as their life-sacrificing loyalty to Rome and to the Caesars. And to find a Roman soldier who's devoted to the God of Israel, that was a rare find indeed, but Cornelius was one of those men. His devotion wasn't just in the privacy of his own heart. He wasn't a, a secret lover of God of Israel. No, apparently his love for God, his devotion to him, uh, it had impacted his whole family as well as those even serving within his household. It says he feared God 
with all his household. His devotion of God wasn't just by words and by prayers. It was also through sacrificial giving and living. Luke tells us that he gave alms generously to the people. And in the context of Luke's writings, we understand that this was probably monetary support to the Jews who had suffered under the rule of the Romans. He was a giving man with a giving heart. He was also a man that desired to hear from God. He prayed to God always. Now, that's, again, once again, very interesting in the whole mix of things because this man, he was not a convert to Judaism. Uh, he was not a Christian, and yet he prayed continually. God had placed on his heart a hunger for the things of the heavenly kingdom. It was a hunger that couldn't be satisfied with riches, and I believe that's why he had a giving heart. And I've got all this. Uh, this brings me no completion, and so he had a giving heart. It was a hunger that wasn't satisfied by worldly power or the authority. That would have left him empty. It would have left him desiring more. He knew that it just wasn't the things of this world. He had come to understand even that the pagan worship of Rome was foolish, it was, it was powerless, and, and it would have left him hopeless. And so he turned to the God of Israel, the God of all creation, the God of all gods, and through a healthy fear of Almighty God in his devotion to the one true God in the hunger of his soul, he sought for truth. And I believe that that's why he prayed continually or always. How long had he been searching? We have no way of knowing. Years? Maybe. Perhaps, we just don't know. How much had he supported the people of Israel with his own funds, with his own finances? Again, hundreds or thousands, we have no idea. No clue at all. But we do know that again, out of his own riches, out of his own finances, he supported others. How many prayers had he actually prayed? Luke said he prayed to God always. Again, there's no possible way that we could number the amount of prayers that this man prayed. But at just the right time, whether it had been years that he had been praying to the God of Israel or only months, we don't know. But at just the right time, God answered and God honored his devotion and his sacrifice. Look at verse three. At about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? And so he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Undoubtedly, this had become the usual course of his life. The three o'clock, well, it says the ninth hour. That's three o'clock in the afternoon. That's a, a regular prayer time for the Jews. And so as he prayed, uh, this vision came to him. And the words of Luke uh, he says he saw clearly in a vision. Uh, that means that it, it, it had the impact of, of being, yes, supernatural and, and real at the same time. It wasn't just some kind of a foggy, surreal, dream-like vision, kind of half awake, half asleep, you know, those things that you and I see many times in the morning. No, this was, this was real right before him. And Luke writes in such a way as describing 
literally evidentiary proof that what Cornelius saw was tangible and real. Not some foggy thing, but a real angel standing before him. Even in verse 4, where Luke says he observed him. The very word that Luke uses there for observed has a strong meaning of gazing intently, of fastening the eyes, of looking earnestly. No, he wasn't half asleep. No, it it got his attention. There was something real standing right in front of Cornelius, and he was afraid. It has to be something to make a Roman soldier, particularly a centurion, afraid. And Cornelius feared at that moment and at that time. I don't care how tough of a Roman soldier you are. I don't care how many battles you might have fought or won. You don't stand face to face with a true angel of almighty God and not have the fear of God shoot through the very core of your being. Cornelius, the angel declared, And Cornelius responded, what is it, Lord? And the word that he uses there for Lord is much like you and I would use the the word sir. What is it, sir? Uh, I I believe that probably running through Cornelius' brain was, are you the angel of death? You know, you've, you've come to take me? Or maybe you're God's avenging angel and all the evil that I've done in the past, you've now come to, again, bring that to bear. Fortunately, uh, there doesn't seem to be very much hesitation with the angel to respond to Cornelius at this point in time. He said that your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. I believe that there was probably a great sigh of relief in Cornelius at that point in time. That again, what he was doing, God had heard. Let me ask you this. You ever wonder if your prayers or your giving ever really comes up as a memorial before God? Do do we really, again, bring the interest of heaven in our lives that much? I believe that with the simplicity of these words, Cornelius, once again, able to breathe, uh, blood coming back to his face, senses returning completely to him, and the angel continues on in verse five. He says, now... Send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. We have every reason to believe that that Cornelius probably had never heard of the apostle Peter. He would have no way of knowing who this Simon character was, and so the angel explained it to him fully. Now, the way my brain works, and you guys know that my brain sometimes is kind of off in left field, but if I were to dramatize this, the words would have been a little bit like this. Send men to Joppa, look for a guy whose name is Simon, but he's also called Peter. He's staying at Simon's house. No, not his own house. It's another Simon's house, Simon the Tanner. Uh, He has a house by the sea, and he's going to tell you what you must do. No, not Simon the Tanner. Simon, the one that's called Peter, he'll tell you what to do. But uh, the angel makes it pretty clear who he's supposed to find. And so Luke continues in verse 7. Verse 7, he says, And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa, two servants and a devout soldier. Most likely, all of them 
men of faith like Cornelius. Men that Cornelius could trust with, with this personal exercise of his own faith, sending men out to find this Simon Peter. Men that he could trust with the importance of this particular task. The soldier, I believe, went along, uh, no doubt for their safety, to deal with any robbers or any highwaymen that they might uh, run into, particularly because I believe that they traveled a lot uh, at night. Caesarea is actually about 33 miles from Joppa where they had to go. An average walker, I hear tell, that an average walker, uh, by taking breaks, uh, meal breaks even, can average about 20 miles in a day. Now, they might have been walking a little faster because of the importance, we don't know, but considering that Cornelius was praying at the three o'clock hour, and then the angel came and spoke to him, then he gathered the men together, told them what was going on, and sent them out on this journey. Well, I believe that most of the day was gone at that point in time. Verse 8 actually tells us that after the angel had left, after Cornelius explained things to his messengers, he sent them to Joppa. But there's no way that they would have been able to make that whole trip in one afternoon. As a matter of fact, in verse 9, verse 9 tells us that the next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour or noon. Now you say, well, yeah, they just left early in the morning. They had 33 miles to cover. I don't believe that they could have made that uh, even leaving before breakfast and made it by noon. I believe that probably what happened, and again, speculation on my part, uh, that they probably began that travel that afternoon, late that afternoon, traveling on down to Joppa, taking breaks as necessary, maybe even stopping to sleep for a few hours, and then getting back up in the morning to finish up the rest of the journey. About the time that Peter went to the rooftop, it was about noon, and that's when the guys got into Joppa, asked around, where is Simon the Tanner's house, and finally made it to that front gate. So once again, we see in Cornelius a man who is ready and willing to move at a moment's notice once God gave him directions and purpose. And yes, he had the ability to send others in his spot. But the fact is, Cornelius was a man after God's own heart. He was a man that lived a life of faith in the midst of all of his pagan surroundings. He was a man of generosity. God even took account of his willingness to give of his personal resources for the benefit of others. Cornelius was a man that was willing to continually to seek after the face of God, even when answers are slow in coming. Again, how long had he been praying before, again, that angel came to him? We don't know how long he had sought for God, but God saw his faithfulness and God moved in his life. And when he heard from God, he responded immediately. Once that angel left, he called those men to, the, to him, and then he sent them out on that journey. My question for you this morning is, how about you? Are you willing and able to stand firm in your faith in the midst of our ever-increasing pagan culture? Our culture, I don't know if you've uh, read the papers or watched TV much or if you just live in a cave, but our culture is getting more and more pagan. 
and less and less founded on the Word of God. How willing are you to take that stand, even as Cornelius, a Roman centurion, taking that stand as a God-fearer? How, again, willing are you to stand in your faith? Your culture that you live in, it might be your workplace, it might be your school, it might be your neighborhood, it might even be your family. Are you willing to receive the attacks against the Lord Jesus when they come before you. Don't forget, when they attack you, they're attacking the Lord Jesus. Isn't that exactly what Jesus told Paul on that road to Damascus? Paul, who was a persecutor of Christians, Jesus said to him, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So church, remember, whenever persecutions come against you, know that it is actually a persecution against Jesus. That's why you can pray for those who persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely, knowing that the attack is really going to our Lord Jesus. And how about you this morning? Are you willing and able to be generous with the provisions that God has blessed you with? Have you determined yet in in 2019 to be financially faithful in your support to the kingdom's work? The, the, The angel told Cornelius that even his financial gifts were a memorial to God. I have to pause and think, are, are, are my financial gifts, is the stewardship of my finances, are they actually a memorial before God or are they like a, a pity offering before God? Where are you in your life? Remember that when we are faithful in all areas of our lives, God can and will entrust us with greater responsibilities and opportunities. We are called to be faithful servants in our time, in our talent, and yes, in our treasures. And finally, how about you this morning? Are you willing to seek the plans and the purposes of God in your life, even when the answers are slow to come? Are you willing to continue to to trust him in the hard things of life? Waiting for his answers rather than trying to take control by your own strength and and by your own logic. Oh, I can give you horror story after horror story as this guy standing in front of you took control of things by his own strength and by his own logic. We don't want to live that way. We want to be led by the Spirit of God. And as we wait upon the Lord, the Lord is honored in and through our lives as we trust him. That's why Isaiah wrote to us in Isaiah 40, those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings like eagles. Those that wait on the Lord shall run and not grow weary. Those that wait on the Lord shall walk and not faint. Let 2019 be the year that God brings to you a newness and a freshness by his might and by his spirit. Be open to him actually giving you this year perhaps dreams and visions. You know, God still does that. Are you open to receive that from him as you seek his face in the devotion of your life? Change.
We're so glad you could be with us today as we opened God's Word and dove into the goodness and truth the Bible contains. If you've missed any part of today's message in Acts, we encourage you to refer to our website, calvarycg.org. Once there, you can browse our library of audio as well as learn more about the ministry of the Open Word. We'd love to hear from you about how God's working in your life. Please give us a call at 520-836-9676. When you call, please let us know how we can be praying for you. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If you prefer accessing information through social media, visit our Facebook page and keep up to date with all that's happening at The Open Word. Just go to theopenword.com. You'll be directed right to our page. You'll be able to explore more of Pastor David's audio there as well. As our time comes to a close today, Pastor David has a quick word of encouragement to share with you. Hey, thanks, Chris. Any time you spend in God's Word is valuable, and I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. By diving deeper into the Scripture and letting it saturate your heart and mind, you'll be ready to take on your day as well as be prepared when the enemy attacks. If you're not sure where to start, you can begin by reading today's passage again. Or simply let your Bible fall open. If your heart is open to the Holy Spirit's direction, you can't go wrong. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. And I hope you'll join me again next time on The Open Word. Make a small-